Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Amber. And I'm Charnel. And today we are going to be talking about a female serial killer. Love it. Well, so, I don't love serial killers, but I'm so happy that we branch out to yeah, include both. Yeah. Her name is Dorothea Puente. Who and... else is Dorothea? I know by the end of this I'm not going to, but right now I think Dorothea is such a... Yeah, a cute name, and we'll we'll get into all the nitty gritty about her. You will see. I don't know if you've seen pictures of Dorothea yet. I have. To. I'm gonna throw myself under the bus right at the beginning when I was looking at pictures of Dorothea. I'm like, oh, Grandma. You know, what did did somebody hurt Grandma's kids? She's old. She she is older. So, oh. are you gonna uh, ruin Grannies for me? Gra- not hopefully all Grannies, <laughs> but this one. Yeah, we're gonna. Okay. Hopefully, none of your Grannies are like Dorothea. We're not gonna love Dorothea by the end. Of okay. I am going to refer to a book. I love the name of this book. California Fruits, Flakes, and Nuts. True Tales of California Crazies, Crackpots, and Creeps. Look at Amber (laughs) whipping out her first source shout out. And you've come up with California Fruits and Nuts. (laughs) Crimes, Creeps, and what? It's called... California Crazies, Crackpots, and Creeps. I love it. By David, and I don't know how to say this, Kolchik, maybe? Okay. Sounds K-U- right to me. K-U-L-C-Z-Y-K. So that's my best It's a guess. lot of random letters in the alphabet to be thrown together like <laughs> yeah. that. So we'll just start with Dorothea's background. She was born on January 9th, 1929. Really quick, I'll just tell you her nickname became Death House Landlady. Oh, okay. Um, we'll, sure. we'll learn why I later think that's on. That's very good to know. But yeah, that's her famous nickname. So, Dorothea, she was born into a household that was pretty abusive. Her mom and, and dad were both pretty bad alcoholics, and she was abused by both of them. Her dad, he was a veteran. He had a lot of mental health issues, maybe PTSD going sure. on. It didn't say that, but I I'm thinking with the veteran piece. Um, Well, and back then they wouldn't have recognized it anyway. Right. There were reports that he would threaten suicide in front of the children and Mm. just had a lot of really bad depression. Not only was she being abused, but she was seeing her father suicidal and at a very young age. Right. Her mother was also a sex worker. I believe it was kind of like a part-time job for her. And then to make matters worse, Dorothea lost both of her parents at a young age. I found some... Conflicting information about Dorothea's father passing away. She was either four or six between okay. those ages. It looks like he had tuberculosis. Oh. Somewhere between then and her mother passing, her mother did lose custody of the children. Um, oh. She was one of eight, so there was a lot of kids. Oh, yeah. My heart hurts a little for baby Dorothea. Yeah, Dorothea went through a lot yeah. before... Doesn't um, excuse what she did, but... No. That hurt. That sucks. But it, it does paint a picture of... I guess, some explanation of how she got to be 
where she ends up. Well, and I do love a good nature versus nurture debate. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this falls into it. She entered into an orphanage after her mother oh, had shit. passed away. Actually, let me rephrase that. I believe she went into the orphanage before her mother passed okay. away because I, I don't think mom was able to care for the children mm-hmm. at all. There was a lot of neglect. Right. There's reports from Murderpedia, actually, talking about her often having to scavenge for food, and I'm assuming all of the children. It's a really bad environment. Dorothea entered foster care. Orphanage is what they refer to Right. It was much different than the type we're used to working within. Yeah. So it's, you know, some kind of home. There was reports of sexual abuse in the orphanage when Dorothea was there. And she's lost her parents, and now she's in a place where she's getting sexually abused. (sighs) And God knows what else. I mean, oh, right. the 1930s. And what else she might have went through that was never documented or known. Right. She's yeah. in the orphanage for a little bit. And then some family members had come in to take her into their care. I was going to ask if there was other family members. Okay. Unfortunately, life didn't improve a great deal for Dorothea. I didn't see specifically how long she was in the orphanage before going with relatives. Around the age of 16, Dorothea started prostituting on her own. She actually, after prostituting, she met her first husband that she married at the age of 16. Oh, okay. In what they refer to in the book, I love this term, as a cat house. <laughs> Oh. She was working a cat house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she was working a cat house and she met her husband. He was a soldier by the name of Fred McFall. I'm butchering these names. Good old Freddie. They met at the cat house. They actually ended up having two daughters. I think this is the only credit I'm going to give Dorothea in this entire episode. Hit me with it. She did give these children up, one to family members and one up for adoption because I believe she even referred to herself as not the motherly type. So I'm kind of like, kudos to you, Dorothea. She had an instinct to know that. Okay, good. Because God knows what these children would have went through. Right. It says she also had a miscarriage after that and then her husband left her shortly after that. She's back out on her own. This is where we're going to see some of the destructive pattern starting. Dorothea was caught for forging checks in 1948 and she did spend several months in jail for that. Dorothea was released from jail and she did go on to enter a second marriage around 1952. Dorothea getting the love. She gets the love. We are gonna we're gonna take a journey through her love life and it is uh it's a bumpy one. Her second marriage was to a seaman. Um, oh, we love a good had, seaman. We've had a lot of seamen. We've lately. had a lot of seamen. There's a <laughs> lot of seamen on Crime Curious. Absolutely. Um, we're still not, by our third episode, mature enough to say seamen without giggling. I don't know that we will ever we get have to that never, point. ever will be. She marries a man named Axel Bren Johansson. I actually really like the name Axel. It's a solid name. I think it's badass. Yeah, it really is. Some dude came up to me and was like, I'm Axel. Because his voice has to be deep. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. I'm like, I'm sold. Absolutely. Me too. Here's my cleavage. How are you doing? And it sounds like Dorothea was as well. Sure. <laughs> so she started making up a lot of lies about her identity and about her actual family, like Aww. saying she came from a Mexican family or just lies about where, where she was from, who she, she was. some shame. During the second marriage, she takes on this fake persona about herself and she goes by the name of, and bear with me, Tia... Singuala Nayarda, making claims that she was of a 
Egyptian and Israeli descent. Egyptian. Yeah. Stop trying to be so exotic. And I'm going to also just refer back to, if you see Dorothea, not looking very Egyptian. No. No. <laughs> yeah. They're... You wish, madam. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Egyptian. And so when I read that, I was like, wow, that's a really far-fetched identity. Hmm. That's where she was at yeah. with her life. She was going by this name. The married life was not a good fit for a hustler like Dorothea. Do she... you think that the, the seaman probably had a nickname for her? Because he was probably like, damn, bitch, that's a mouthful. Can I just call you... Cheryl. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't really go into a lot of details of what she was using this name for. She was starting these really shady patterns of writing bad checks and the lies. And it also goes into some details about Dorothea loving her some gambling life. And Uh it sounds like this marriage was not an ideal one. Or a happy one. A lot of times when her husband was gone, she'd have various men over. You know, he, she would spend his money gambling. Mm-hmm. Dorothea, you naughty kitten. Yeah, she, she was a frisky one. Okay. While she was married to Axel, she did get arrested again for owning and operating a brothel, which was disguised. Her own cat yeah. house? Yeah, she had her own cat house going on. I'm not going to lie. Back in the day, I do feel like I could have ran a tight brothel. Yeah. I even had a name for it. This was a joke I had with another friend. I wanted to call it Stiletto. Oh. I just felt like... That's a good name. Yeah, I could could met him the hell out of a brothel. Yeah. And I don't know if Dorothea had a name for hers back then, but it was disguised as a bookkeeping firm in Sacramento. So... (laughs) Okay. You know, we're running... The most boring-ass thing (laughs) I could think of, but it turns out there's a lot of going on here. Yeah. Okay, great. And, And I don't know what Dorothea looked looked like at that time. Sure. You know, I think you did send me a picture of her now that I think about it. Yeah. And she does Is look like back? just like the Grammiest Grammy that any ever Grammied. Absolutely. So yeah. so Grammy like. Definitely not Egyptian or a brothel man. No. No if she was like taking on that yet in the nineteen sixties yeah. she may have been a little bit younger. Well, that looking. was a wild time. The brothel we, was we booming. will post her pictures. Um, yes. On I, Instagram I think it's and Facebook. Yeah the brothel's a, a booming. Okay. She did actually get arrested for it though unfortunately. Yeah. And and she did serve 90 days in jail for oh. for that. It sounds like things got a little dark for Dorothea after she got out of jail and she starts drinking pretty heavily. There's reports that she was lying even more and she had attempted suicide a couple times. Mm. Around 1961, Dorothea was admitted to the DeWitt State Hospital. Her husband had a hand in that at the time. It sounds like she was getting a little cray at and home. she's still married to Axel. Uh, yeah, Axel okay. is still in the picture. And so he helped and assisted in getting her admitted into this hospital. Okay. She was diagnosed as a pathological liar with an unstable personality during that time. I know um, some of those. Okay. Yeah. I think of a, a few as right. well. She does have those diagnoses coming out of the institution. Then in 1966, Dorothea and Axel did end up divorcing. Sure. So Axel is leaving the picture. Insert another identity by the name of Sharon Johansson. Now she's Sharon. She is Sharon. Okay, she looks more like a Sharon than an Egyptian queen. So, okay. Yeah, Sharon I could buy. Perhaps she got tired of trying to remember 
to respond to that really long ass name. So yeah. she was like, I got to make it easier. Yeah, this maybe, time. maybe she got excited and overdid it with that first one. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to tone it down yeah. to Sharon. Right. So she does go by Sharon. And this persona was a kind Christian woman and a caregiver who helped young women that suffered from poverty and abuse. And she would care for them without any charge. As our timeline is building, you'll see things coming out. So I'm really curious what else happened during that time. All it says is that she was caring for these women, but I'm just curious what but level was she right like what mm-hmm. level were you taking advantage of them at the time right around 1968 Dorothea would enter yes you guessed it a third marriage oh um, my gosh Dorothea is getting it <laughs> listen you guys anybody who's single out there if Dorothea can get it you so can, can you. too absolutely there is hope third marriage to a man named roberto jose puente and this roberto. is where roberto roberto okay this is where she has taken on her last name that we know now and i'm sorry guys i did forget to mention that she was actually born dorothea gray that's her yeah. her birth name that actually fits her well right and, okay. and I remember when I was looking into the case, I, I remember thinking, like, how did she get the name Puente? Because she's very, you know, right. I just, I wasn't She's sure very not Puente. Not very, yeah. Not very Puente. Yeah. She does keep this name the rest of her life, Thea Puente. This marriage was not very healthy either. Oh. Um, it was very toxic and abusive. It sounds like they were on and off quite a bit for several years, but they Hmm. did end up divorcing around 1975. And she decides that this is when she's starting a boarding house. And so this was a place for alcoholics and individuals that suffered from severe mental illness. So the harder cases that maybe other people wouldn't want to take on. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming at this time that Dorothea was looking pretty amazing in the community. Sure. She'd started this boarding house. She's looked at highly. It refers to her as with her grandmotherly look that people really thought she was this loving lady taking in all these people and saving them. And so she's like living her best life. Bleeding hearts. Yes. Oh, this is amazing. What an amazing woman, Dorothea. Yep. And there's even a quote that her boarding house became a very popular because of her grandmotherly appearance and apparent care for the tenants. Don't um, ruin grandmotherly appearances for us. You know, she she was looked at as this really respected, almost like social worker mm-hmm. in the community. It seems like that's what she's... As two social workers that are sitting right here. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's right up our alley. Yeah, absolutely. Way to fuck it up, Dorothea. And as a social worker, you know, it's it's hard to... Um, sometimes find places for people to go right. to have nowhere. So she's yeah. opening this home up and yeah. and taking all of these people in. It also oh. mentions that she was holding AA meetings in the house, so recovery focused. Wow. And are we really, do we really think this, or was this just another facade for a brothel? You know, I'm not sure if there was any brotheling going on, if that's a word. But um, <laughs> if it's not, <laughs> it is now. You know, it just makes you wonder what her... She disguised it once as a bookkeeping right. place. Right. I don't know. So she's taking all these people in up to, I want to say, 40 people could stay there. It even said that she was funding scholarship programs. So oh, wow. She had so she was, yeah, she had some money yes, going. She was rolling The train derails, I'm assuming. <laughs> the train is soon to derail. <laughs> I know you're going to be shocked by this, but Dorothea did enter a fourth marriage yeah. during this time. Okay. Yeah, and so yeah. This is actually my favorite marriage of Dorothea's because it was a very it looked like a quick marriage the man's name was a quickie yeah it was a little quickie was his name ross from friends (laughs) his name 
<laughs> Good guess. <laughs> oh, his name was actually Pedro Angel Montalvo. Oh. And so that marriage... She finds the most exotic named men. Diverse in her, oh. in her partner's definitely. Dorothea. This marriage, it's said to have lasted about one week. So, oh, wow. Yeah, Pedro's like, peace out. I don't know if he saw Dorothea's ways. If, I was going to say, happened. maybe he has very good instincts. Maybe so, not initially, but then within a week. Within a week, he's right. like, no way. <laughs> not so, worth it. Yeah, it's unclear. I found a week, and then I found, like, a short time. So, sure. either way... Which, you know, a week is a short time, so... It is, yeah. Yeah. So, either way, he bounced Either way, pick. they probably weren't filing <laughs> taxes jointly. No. They, they <laughs> were not. Not long enough to do that. Yeah. That's how you know you're an adult when you make a reference like that. Absolutely. <laughs> Fourth marriage, done. We're, wow. we're moving on. Four practically didn't happen. Right. In her mind, she's probably like, I really haven't been married four times. And maybe that's why she didn't claim that last name, because she still remains Puente. Right, right. Um, she didn't even have... They couldn't file the paperwork in a week. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. I'm going to refer back to my California Fruits and Nuts book. <laughs> Best <laughs> reference ever. We will never find another source to reference that's better than Fruits and Nuts. It's a solid book. It really is. Can you just... Just from now on, you guys, when she says Fruits and Nuts, it's the book. It's, book. it's going to be in the show notes. I definitely think we should read it. And I might say it again later on because I just enjoy fruits saying it. Fruits and nuts. According to the fruits and nuts. <laughs> I'm just going to start referring to my family as that. Yeah, fruits and nuts. According to my fruits and nuts. <laughs> Where were we? The fruits and the nuts. Um, <laughs> so it was also clear around this time, Dorothea was very much mistreating her residents. I'm shook right now. Yeah, so there were starting to be reports of Dorothea drinking heavily. She hated the alcoholics, but she also was drinking chronically herself. Oh, of course. Don't we always hate what we see in ourselves and other people? Yeah. So it sounds like grandma on the outside, not Mm -hmm. so nice on the inside Mm -hmm. of that house. There's reports of her getting really drunk and pushing people down the stairs, Mm. punching them if they showed up inebriated themselves. So it was like a... You know, how dare you? I, I can do Why this, didn't you bring but... the alcohol to me, you bitches? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's not a lot of details about what the residents went through specifically while they were living there. I think only a start, things started to get worse and come out. But God knows how long the abuse and the mistreatment right. happened. I can tell you, working CPS, uh, sometimes we would have to cover on call for adult protective services cases. Mm -hmm. Those were the most heartbreaking things to me. Mm -hmm. Not that child abuse is not heartbreaking, but for adult protective services, if they don't want help, you can't provide it to them. It it was so sad, like trying to explain to them, this person is abusing you. You don't have to stay here. Yes. You know. I'm certain she knew what she was doing. Oh, absolutely. She was targeting very vulnerable populations of people mm. that she knew, you know, didn't have support systems, that didn't have the means to maybe even leave there. Right. Um, some were mentally disabled or if they had right. a really bad addiction. So completely taking advantage of these people. And so these, you know, accusations start to come out a little more that she's mistreating the residents. As luck would have it, in 1978, Dorothea was busted again for those darn forged checks. She's a sucker for a good forged Forged check. check. (laughs) She was convicted of cashing 34 federal checks that belonged to her tenants from the boarding house. And she was given five years of probation required to pay $4,000 in restitution. I'm curious if she ever paid that back. I didn't, I didn't see anything about 
about that. It's just a, a lot of money to have to pay back. Mm-hmm. And um, she may have been rolling it in and paid it off. No right, problem. right. But, so slap on the wrist, got some probation. Even though she was on probation, that did not stop her from drugging women and stealing valuables in their homes. Um, so she continued to just be really shady. and Fuck off, Dorothea. Yeah, Dorothea, she's starting to really suck. Shit starts to get real. 1982, there was a 61-year-old woman by the name of Ruth Monroe, and she began living with Dorothea in her upstairs apartment. Now, I will note that there's a little bit of blurriness with the boarding house. You know, she was operating it before getting caught, but we also, in the jail times, I'm not sure if she started another boarding house or if it was the same one consistently. Oh, okay. I was a little unclear about that. Okay. Like someone was running it while she was away, possibly, right. or if it closed down and she just started a new one. Correct. That's, okay. I wasn't clear on that. She does have this woman by the name of Ruth Monroe that's living in her upstairs apartment. And Ruth is only 61? Yes. Okay. Because so. I really don't feel like this day, that that's very old. It could be because I'm almost 40 that I'm like, 60's not old. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shut the fuck up. Okay. I agree with you. Um, It's not very old. There was some indication in the book that maybe she was starting a catering business with Ruth. So they were going to be business partners and Ruth moved in. Catering business? Yep. (laughs) They're... Random. Yep, they're going to do this catering business and, and Ruth moves in. Then, unfortunately, Ruth dies suddenly very shortly after moving in to Dorothea's apartment. Oh no, sorry Ruth. Yeah, yeah. It was found that Ruth overdosed on codeine and acetaminophen. When the police get there, Dorothea tells them that Ruth was really depressed about her husband and her husband was terminally ill and so she was really struggling with that piece and so she decided to kill herself. So the so police is speaking for Ruth. Yeah, mm. yeah. The police at the time were like, "Okay, no okay. big deal. Have yeah. a good day." Here you and, go, Big D. Yep. And it, sorry, we'll take this <laughs> body out of your house. Thanks, now. Big D. Right. <laughs> Thanks for the the info. And they they didn't really question and the look death. into it more. Yeah, and, and, and I they go, really had no reason to. And maybe they just took her word for it because of the work she was was doing or known right. to do. I, I don't know. But there wasn't much question at the time. And this is, I guess, surprising to me. Like, we didn't even wait a little bit. A few weeks later, the police are back at Dorothea's house again. Oh, okay. They come a-calling again? They came a-calling. A 74-year-old man by the name of Malcolm McKenzie has accused Dorothea of drugging him and stealing from him. They're back. They're like, what's up, baby? say those are not just accusations. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, Big D? Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Big D? Um, yoo us again. So things are starting to get a little bit sketchy at the sporting mm-hmm. house at this time. But after the ac- accusation, Dorothea was actually convicted and charged with theft for stealing from her, her tenants again um, during that time. Fucking thief, Dorothea. So, so this time things got a little more harsh and she did serve five years in jail. Five um, years. She, yeah. Wow. Five years. I and bet she, Granny ran that place like a brothel too. It, yeah, some shady stuff going on. I just feel like she, she's on a little bit of a different level, and she probably didn't have a terrible time in prison. Probably not, because funny you mentioned that. Oh, okay. Dorothea did get out on good behavior. Of course she so did. She, Don't they all? Yeah. So she did only serve three years of her sentence. Fuck off. Three years. Yes. Yeah. During this time, when Ruth Monroe, the the woman that had yes, committed the first suicide, one. right, 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 um, right, allegedly, mm-hmm. uh, Ruth's family is getting word of 
Dorothea's behaviors and like you're a shady motherfucker right yeah so they're hearing these things and they actually reached out to the police to ask if the case could be looked at again they're like you know we're not buying that this was just a suicide so they did ask for the case to be looked at again unfortunately the police were like nope it's a suicide so they didn't get very far with that and Ruth's son would later go on to say that if the police would have taken their mother's death seriously the other victims would, would have still been alive. Absolutely. I was going to point that out. Yeah. That was the first death that had happened. And it is hard to think about that if the police would have looked into that a little bit more, all of this other stuff probably wouldn't have happened. Right. I'm oh, sure no. very hard for their family to see this going yeah. on and, and knowing that there's something going on with Dorothea, but the police aren't looking into it. And this it. is the 70s, right? This would have been... This was early 80s. Okay. So she was out in 1982. Okay. So yeah, still basically. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Things were a lot different then. Things were different then. I know this is going to come as a complete shock to you, but where there is jail time, there is love a blossoming. And (laughs) I know. Stop it. During Dorothea's stay in jail, she starts a pen pal relationship with a 77-year-old retiree from Oregon. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Dorothea in love again. She she can find them. From her prison cell? Mm-hmm. Yep. Shit, people. There's really no excuses for anyone else. Yep. Woo! Dorothea definitely had... And she um, cast her net all the way to Oregon? She did. Okay. And I'm not sure how this, this relationship started. I know there's a lot of people that start pen pal relationships in prison. I'm not sure how that all goes, but in the 80s, apparently it was a thing too. So they start this relationship, sparks fly. Through the paper as they do. (laughs) He must have been well written. Um, He had a lengthy letter. (laughs) Absolutely. Obviously they hit it off because Everson was waiting for Dorothea when she got out of jail. Oh, yes. He was waiting for her in a red pickup truck. (gasps) So just take a note of that because we're going to need that in a little bit here. I love me a red pickup truck. Yeah, well, so did Everson. A sucker for it. According to femalekillers.com. There is a website called femalekillers.com. Yes, it's really awesome. I'll be checking that out. Thank you for that tidbit. The psychiatrist that evaluated Dorothea in prison, he diagnosed her with schizophrenia. He also made a quote, and I'm going to read it. This woman is a disturbed woman who does not appear to have remorse or regret for what she has done. She is considered to be dangerous and her living environment and or employment should be closely monitored. Amber, how many cases are we going to cover where the psychiatrists are telling the parole boards and everyone that this person is dangerous and we don't listen? And I get that psychology is actually a relatively young science. Mm -hmm. It really is. Jiminy Christmas. Yeah, and so I, I know I feel like it's a trend with the cases that we're starting it has out with been lately, and it's just frustrating. California and mm-hmm. serious mental health issues and concerns overlooked. I mean, he specifically says she needs to be monitored. Right, she is. Dangerous. She's dangerous. Um, I know she looks sweet and innocent, but she know Betty White. <laughs> she is not. She is not closely monitored. What? Uh, I'm shocked. Yeah. just can't believe it. After prison, it's back to the boarding house. And this is, we're now at the the famous boarding house that most of these horrific crimes have taken place. Okay. 1426 F Street is the residence. Mm -hmm. And she quickly hires this man by the name of, forgive me again, 
Ismail for okay. us. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. That sounded beautiful to me. Thank you. Well done. I practiced a little bit. <laughs> and forgive me. I'm sorry. She but didn't this fall is, in love with him? <laughs> she did not. Okay. She did um, hire him to do some work. So she asked him to buy to build this six by three by two foot wooden box oh. just to store some items in. He's like, okay, I'll do Real it. Real cash. That seems very specific. Yep. If you, you know, picture those dimensions, like six yeah. by three... Maybe representing a coffin. But I mean, perhaps. Maybe. Um, Six, but yeah. But Ismail was like, okay, sure. Sure, I'll build you a coffin and pretend it's not a coffin. Yeah, because Dorothea gave him $800 and a red Ford pickup truck that she said her boyfriend no longer needed. Oh, no. Why did her boyfriend no longer need it, Amber? Right? Right? That is a good question, Charnel. We have a wooden box. We have a red Ford pickup truck. uh, Can I ask how tall red pickup truck guy was? Was he about six foot or so? I wish I had that information, but I'm going to (laughs) assume that he was. Oh, fuck. (laughs) He does build this box. He probably would have done it for the $800. Right? That was a really generous... Or just the red pickup truck. Probably, you know. I feel like she... Really overshot her shot there. That's a good point because eight hundred bucks to to build a wooden right, box like, is pretty. Generous. I I mean I could build a a six by three by four. What it was? What were those dimensions or by two? By or two. Something? Yeah. yeah, by two. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. For eight hundred bucks, absolutely. Yeah, I'll I got figure it. out how to do it for sure. Give me a hammer and nails and a saw. He gives Dorothy the box and she's like, you know what? Now that you built me this box. I have the stuff I want to get rid of because what easier way to get rid of items you don't want than to build a homemade box Okay. to get rid of them. And then use a man to get rid of them in a truck that you just gave him? Correct. Oh, shit. I can see right through you, Dorothea. (laughs) Are you on to something here, (laughs) Maybe a little. So he's like, okay, I'll help you. Yeah. And so he takes the box. I believe they use the red pickup truck, ironically. Dorothea goes with him, and so they're on their way to go dispose of this box at the dump. Yeah, and so, he never, question, he never, like, was like, hey, what's this heavy shit in this box, Dorothea? He did not. And so I'm wondering, you Indeed, know, this weighs about 175 pounds. <laughs> right. I'm wondering, like, if he questioned it, but the, the gift was so generous that he's like, all right, I'll just right, do what Right, I'll wants. do what Granny wants. Right. Mm. They're on their way to the dump, and Dorothy is like, you know what? Screw the dump. I don't need to go to the dump. There's the river. Let's just dump oh, this box. Fuck. The dump is for chumps. Yeah. yeah. Let's not pay to dump this box. No. There's the river. Sail this pine box right down the river. And oh, so... Fuck. And this dude's just like... Ismail's like, all, all right, right Weird D, we got it. Let's do it. They dump the box in the river. Um, does this not feel wrong to this man? When I was reading this part, it was, I struggled because it's just like the did most we know, obvious. Did he have a lower IQ? I mean, I guess we don't know. Maybe he's very naive at right. the very least. Right. I have so many questions about how this was not. Or just kind of like, you know what? Not my circus, not my monkeys. She gave me $800 and, and a pickup truck. So I just do what this woman wants and I know nothing. Yep. Yeah, so many questions with this. I'll just give you a heads up, Charnel. If you ever ask me to build you a box and then go throw the river, I'm going to ask you what you're doing. <laughs> oh, well, shit. There so goes sad. my next Saturday plans. <laughs> a couple years go by. So this box was not found for about three years, but about 1986. Oh, shit. 
A fisherman. I was just going to say, it's some poor fisherman, yeah. isn't it? Someone out there oh. just minding his own business fishing. He does come across this box. Can I just tell you, my kids and I really love to fish, and I do think of it. And I realize that it's a little morbid and creepy. But when we are fishing, I'm like, oh, please don't let this be the cast that pulls up a foot. I know, because mm. you hear about it all the time. People yeah. falling in or missing. Yeah. And, yeah. Or, you know, murder. So he finds this box. He does open it. And wouldn't you know, there's a decomposing body. Yes. Yeah, three years were severely decomposed. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I think I just misspoke because I don't think it was three years that it took to find the box. After the box was found, which wasn't too long after it was dumped, it took them three years to identify who it was. Okay, okay. Who it was... Was Everson. Her man's from prison. Her man's from prison. Yeah, her man's. Damn it, the pen pal from prison didn't work out. I know. This man's just trying to get some, you know, Dorothy 11. So during that three years that it took to identify him, she was collecting his pension. Again, just... Because did they marry? Did they marry? They did not. Okay. Now, in the book, in Fruits and Nuts, um, (laughs) (laughs) they do talk about that she kept his family at at bay by writing them letters saying that he was ill and that's why they they couldn't see him so she played this off for several years oh, god it amazes me right i was that i thought that same thing i'm like this would have been really exhausting yes to a normal person this you know. makes my life seem very easy mm-hmm. <laughs> right. if she's got all these balls in the air I, i'm so many balls in the I air. I need to stop being stressed when my mail's two hours late. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was a different time, but three years and nobody wow. questioned. I haven't seen my papa or my dad in three years because this random woman that he picked up from prison tells me he's sick. Mm-hmm. And they're just Yikes. like, okay. I'm going to say he wasn't real close with his family. He couldn't have been, and he was 77. I don't know if it was just a thing where they thought he was being cared for, and they just, you know, I don't know if he had children uh, that just didn't visit, but I thought that three sad. years was a long time for Jeez. nobody to question. I really hope if I make it to 77 that one of my four children are like, hey, I should probably lay eyes on my mom. Yeah, we haven't heard from mom in three years. We might <laughs> want to check on it. <laughs> right. It's just a sad thing, you know. Amber, will you check on me? Like, <laughs> I will. I will not let it go that long. <laughs> There was a tenant by the name of Chief, they called him. Oh, I like um, that too. Yeah. You've got a lot of badass names in your episode, girlfriend. I like it. I, yes. We'll find a silver lining in this yes, case. Yeah. Unfortunately, Chief had disappeared. He was seen around the property doing some work, yard work for mm-hmm. Dorothea. And so he was apparently outside a lot and doing work. And then all of a sudden, he was not. Gone. So all of a sudden he was not outside. All of a sudden he was just gone. People are starting to raise some eyebrows at this point. Why do all it, these people disappear around Big D? Right. And I, I just want to note too, fresh out of prison and we're like back running the boarding house and nobody's like, right. mm, maybe she That's shouldn't be. suspicious. Yeah. Maybe she shouldn't be caring for these vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. No. So we're still. Just so you know, now we do background checks on anyone who wants to open an adult foster care home. And, and you know, I did. I thought of that too. I'm hoping so. Some of these things came about after this horrific case. My mom did that for the first six years of my life, which would have been in the 80s. And I know someone came and checked up on her. Interesting. So I'm going to say Dorothea wasn't doing this on the up and up. Mm -hmm. Every state's different, though. 
We don't. Right. This is in California, isn't it? And again, she had she had a lot of people with addiction, so they could right. have been homeless and just stumbled yeah. into her right. her house. Her heard house. heard about her house on the streets, and right? Went, so there, yeah. there might not have been anybody to look to check on these people. Yeah. According to my my go to fruits and nuts. Yes. Um. So Dorothea was was poisoning tenants with a sedative called Dalmane. When they would become too sick or troublesome, too much to, to handle, apparently, she would sedate them. And so then when they were unconscious, she would smother them with a pillow. Oh, Dorothea. Which, actually, smothering takes quite a bit mm-hmm. of time. But I bet if you're hopped up on a sedative already, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So she had this oh. carefully planned. And this went on for quite some time. I hate it when they're diabolically smart. I know. Damn it. These crimes went on from 1982 to 1988. So wow. she was killing her tenants mm-hmm. and obviously not on the radar very much. Right. Did the coroner just keep showing up at her house? Did she get rid of the bodies? Or would she call an ambulance and be like, another one bites the dust. Sorry. Funny you should ask that, Charnel, because we're just going to get into that part. So she would bury the bodies in her backyard. By herself? That is a good question. You know, that is actually something that I reflected at the end of this. Because I do question, go look at Dorothea. Right. Go look at her physique. Yeah, it's like mine. I feel like kind of similar. I'm not bare, and I've never tried. For the record, FBI, I know you're listening. I've never tried to bury a body, but I'm guessing it ain't easy. That's what I. That's what I'm saying. And I'm almost forty, and on a good day, my physical strength probably right. wouldn't allow me to do that. On my my dogs weigh twelve pounds, and sometimes I'm like, "You freaking heifers!" I did try to find some information, and I just couldn't find anything. If she was working alone, yeah, or if she had. Tenants helping her. Or she her. was slow and methodical and just, I'll do a little bit at a time. I mean, where are they going, mm-hmm. you know? And there was also reports of the, one of the bodies with the head and the hands severed. Again, I'm not sure if she was doing all of this on her own and it just took a long time for her to do. And I also... Well, wanted... that, that was my next question. Was she just dismembering the bodies and carrying them piece by piece? And that is a good question because I feel like the information is pretty vague and we'll get to where, where they find the bodies, but there okay. was definitely some that were dismembered. Okay. She disposed of the bodies. So In they were all... In backyard. Being... Yeah. How big was this woman's backyard? You're asking all of the right questions. I... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> I think we should post a picture of the house itself. Yeah. Because if you look at this this street and I love how you're looking at the computer as if I'm posting the picture right now. Because yes. I'm definitely not. We're but I can see that. your eyes like, and we're going to post the picture. Yes. Okay. If you look at the house, it is in a pretty populated area. That's why I'm picturing it. She's mm-hmm. just got a picket fence on each side and... There's neighbors all around. So it's very little property, and her house is right next to another house. I mean, we're talking like these houses are kind of wall-to-wall. There's very little space in between. So I am really baffled that this went on for so long and no one was like... And the neighbors weren't... Yeah, my neighbors notice if I wear my pink-ass Crocs outside to walk the dogs. How are they not noticing her... Exactly. Shoveling human parts into her backyard. All of these things I am thinking too as I'm I'm reading, like how did this go on for right. so many years and no one's questioning the holes in the backyard. I will say Again, that she a different time, you know, when you think back way back, like people left stayed out of people's business. Mm-hmm. We don't do that anymore. 
I feel like between social media and and all of that, we we are nosy asses now. But before it was like, yeah, he's like, Mm. I know he's beating his wife and kids, but not my business. You know, so maybe there was a lot of that going on. Heads turning. Sure. Mm -hmm. And and I will say that there's reports of Dorothea having people doing work for her. It sounds like various guys that were doing like yard work for her. She had concrete put down in her backyard to cover the bodies, probably, but maybe people just thought it was that you know construction going on and didn't question it because there's reports various times where she had people come do jobs for her building wooden boxes she, uh-huh. <laughs> so. I, I wonder if she had if she called different people each time to build or to um dig the hole and that's because calling the same person over and over again would be very suspect like Dorth big d mm-hmm. why you need all these holes but one person who doesn't know the other person who doesn't that's like hey I'm a grandma. I need a hole dug right here. My poor dog Rufus died. So various people doing various jobs for her. Right. Not talking to one another, knowing one another, and Mm -hmm. just diabolically getting her nasty crime shit done. I mean, that's how I'd do it. I'd have people that don't know each other Mm -hmm. come and dig all the different holes. But not. we are not trying to tell you how to commit a crime here on Crime Curious, but I'm just (laughs) saying. No, absolutely not. I really just don't think she operated alone. And if anybody has info on that piece, I would love to hear about it. I I agree with you. So while these bodies are being disposed of in the backyard, she is continuing to collect those Social Security checks. Of course she is. Um, And so there's reports that she was rolling in over five five grand a month on people's benefit checks. She's living pretty good. And, and back in the 80s, five grand a month? Yep. Goes a lot farther than it does today. So she is living her best life. Wow. And I'm <sighs> assuming not only did she collect the checks from the people that she had killed, but I'm sure she was taking advantage of the other people with mental disabilities. And yes, that were still in, quote, in her care. Yep. Fuck off, Dorothea. Yeah, Dorothea, this is the worst kind of serial killer because... There was very thoughtful, care, careful planned out. Yes. And she's not just, I think she's enjoying the killing, but then also she's profiting off from it mm-hmm. for years afterwards by collecting these checks. And several of the articles make mention that she was very money driven. She probably know. stems from her lack of her poverty stricken childhood. That's exactly what I was thinking mm-hmm. too. That because there's reports that she would buy really fancy clothes mm-hmm. and jewelry, and she liked to look really nice. And I do like a good comeback kid story like that. Like, what's up now? All those people that made fun of me because I was poor, but you what know, the legal way without the the death, yeah, and with, the bodies. yeah, without all the murdery stuff. Finally, on November 11th, 1988, the police went to Dorothea's home after a call came in from a concerned social worker. Finally, we have a social worker coming in. Finally! Come Um, save the day. And it does sound like, in reading other articles, there were some other social workers that had maybe made concerns or voiced concerns that, hey, this person was last seen at the the boarding Mm -hmm. house. I think there but, was, you know, it takes building a history of documentation before yeah. everything gets done. So I don't think this was the first one to come in, but it was the most, I think, significant call that they had gotten. So the call came in from the social worker and she reported concern because she couldn't contact, I'm assuming one of her clients, yeah. um, by the name of Robert Montoya, who was known to last be staying at the boarding house. So around the time that this call came in, authorities did go and search Dorothea's house, finally. Okay. And so they didn't find anything suspicious in the house. However, they were compelled to search the backyard when one of the tenants said, 
hey, we saw a body part out back. So oh. this makes me wonder what they were subjected to. A body part. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. A body part. It didn't say which one. I do think there was mention of it in another article, but I can't remember. Foot, maybe? Okay. I don't. Don't quote me on that. Again, it's a tenant, so I'm wondering, like, did they just happen to notice it? Were they a part of it? Were they forced to be a part of it? Right. Again, no information. How many times did they he- hear her heaving and hoeing right, a body down the stairs to shove in a hole? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. So it really just paints a picture that this was truly like a house of death, and I'm sure that yeah. there were horrible things going on all the time there. So when they started digging, they did find a body. Shocker, right? What? Yes. I did actually watch the interview with Dorothea that they did after finding the one body. She was questioned, and I feel like it really paints a picture of how Dorothea was to watch this interview. The investigator is very civil, and even he says in the interview, like, nothing you're telling me adds up. Nothing makes sense. Everything you've told me and I've checked out, there's nothing to back it up. People do not find bodies in backyards. Yep. Not a normal thing. Right. And so this is where they're beginning to question where these people have been. They haven't found them all yet. They'd found the one and they're like, all right, what, you know, something's going on Mm -hmm. here. So they're asking her, where did these people go? You're telling me that they left. Their family members are telling us that they they didn't go to these places so there's just it's lie after lie in the interview and And she was diagnosed as a pathological liar she was really makes sense Dorothea has just this really flat affect in the interview Mm -hmm. and just really deflects from all the questions you know he'll ask her something really specific and she's paying attention to like the yard work or just really trying to deflect on things Mm -hmm. so it's it was interesting to watch that was just before that they got permission to dig the rest of the yard up. He's basically, the investigator is asking her in the interview nicely. He's like, we want to dig in the backyard. We're going to get permission to anyway, but we want to. We're going to get a warrant to be able to do this. So what what are we going to find? Absolutely. I have nothing to hide. Treat yourself. Dig that up. Have at it. Here's this shovel. Mm -hmm. She gave them the permission to start digging. Hmm. Shocker again. When they start digging, they find a total of seven bodies in the backyard. And they they found four women and three men, and they were wrapped in sheets and duct tape. So I want to make mention that after that questioning, Dorothea was free to go still because they they didn't really have enough to say that she had done this. So they can't hold her. Right. So they were suspicious, but they didn't have anything to actually arrest her. So she was free to go. She had given them permission to dig up the backyard. Obviously, they started digging, and she knows they're going to find things. During the digging, she actually charmed one of the officers, or, or it could have been several, into going to get a cup of coffee. What? <laughs> I'm sure this was probably in a moment for the police department, because Dorothea was like, mm, you know, I'm going to go get this, this cup of coffee. And she was like, peace out. And she hopped on a bus to Los Angeles. Oh! Shit! <laughs> Bad or the uh, okay. So she she headed out. She said, the jig is up, man. I gotta go. She's like, I'm done. I I'm out of here. <sighs> she flees, and obviously this cues like massive manhunt for Dorothea. Right. So this is the part that just I think shows how terrible her problem was, how severe it was. Just a few weeks later, despite this manhunt, despite the bodies in the yard. Dorothea just could not resist herself some 
attempted trying to find a man again. Oh my and gosh. Give it up, Dorothea. So she was caught because she was at a bar talking to an older gentleman. The gentleman became suspicious when she started asking about his financial situation <laughs> and if he had any benefits. That's how I vet all of my perspective mates, too. Yeah, so yeah. she couldn't even, like, lay low. No. Couldn't even let him sleep with her first. She's got to ask right no. about that pension. She's like, right tell from me the about beginning. your checks coming yeah. in. The man recognized her from the, the publicity <laughs> um, and, and the warnings about what she had done. Oh so he did end up notifying the police and she did get caught a couple weeks later after she had tried that scam. That did lead to her capture. This is the end of the road for Dorothea. She was arrested. When she's trying to pick up a guy in a bar. I yes. love that that is how Dorothea goes down. That's she goes down. Like, oh, you should have seen me in my prime, baby. She loved those I could those sit checks. at the end of the bar with a cigarette in one hand and a jack <laughs> in the other and take home any fella in the unit I wanted. Yep. yep. In the unit. In the bar. So she tried one last time, but that Fuck. was... That was her fate. Sorry, you're dried up, Dorothea. Uh, so after that, she was arrested. How old was she at this point? Do you know? You know, I am not positive on the age that she was she at this time. She's in her 60s at this point. Definitely in her 60s. Okay. I didn't think she'd quite made it to her 70s. And that's an interesting part of this case, too, that Dorothea didn't actually start murdering people until she was later in life. Um, she was a little bit older. And it might have been just a little bit before 60, but right around okay. that age. Obviously, she had some shady shit going on before yeah. that, but she didn't actually start killing people until a little bit later. And I want to say that we know of. I was just going to say that we know of. Yeah, she was so scandalous with her right. forging checks and stealing that, again, I go back to the women she was working with and, yeah. you know, what did she do with right. them when she started right. her Christian persona? Mm -hmm. We'll never know. So Dorothea's trial lasted a while, and it says, once we're said 24 days, fruits and nuts said... I want to go with that one. Yeah. Always go with fruits and nuts. Yeah, so this one indicated three years, so it could have been a pretty lengthy hmm. trial. I wish I could have... Damn, that's more. quite a difference. Right, and I'm not sure where the truth lies in that. Sure. But in the end, she was convicted of three counts of the nine deaths. I was confused about that. I was just going to say... Can we elaborate? Because I feel really stupid right now. Yep. And again, another piece of info. Of the nine deaths. Yep. She still got life in prison without the possibility of par of parole. Okay. The jury couldn't agree on the other six I'm bodies. That Must be she had some sort of thing and they didn't have anything to directly link her besides the fact that they're in her fucking backyard. Mm -hmm. And I'm also wondering yeah. if the if the three that she was convicted of had maybe family members or social workers that could testify and, and the others could have Did been not. just unknown victims. Yeah. And I don't know that. I'm just kind of assuming that. So yeah. she wasn't convicted of all of the of the bodies found oh in her backyard. Oh my gosh. My heart breaks for them. They, yeah. There's no, no justice. justice. Um, that's what our podcast name should have been. I found that a little disappointing, too. I mean, she did go to prison for life. I do want to mention that while in prison, Dorothea was productive. She did manage to, around 1998, coordinate with an author publisher named Sean Bugby to compose a book of her famous recipes. Oh, I cooking hate that. Recipes. She's cooking. Mm -hmm. Does it include human flesh? Is it really? just... Tell me it's just just beef tips. I really couldn't believe this. And so I had to look the book up. And the, the book itself, the cover is really creepy. It has like a blurry picture of, of Dorothea on the front. No. 
And, yep. So it's called Cooking with a Serial Killer, Recipes from Dorothea Puente. Apparently, oh. it was a thing. She was a good cook. This book is still actually I mean, for sale. I guess we all have our redeeming qualities about us. <laughs> so she's a heinous murderer, but she can whip up a hell of a shepherd's pie. Apparently she can, and so I did hop on Amazon to see this book. Of course. Um, it does have a 4.5 star review, and I feel like I'm promoting it, and I'm wow. really not trying to. <laughs> well, but she can't profit. Her and her family can't no. profit off from anything now when she's in prison. I don't know if in the 80s and 90s that was a thing, but it is now. Like, murderers can't write about their story from and make prison money. and make money off okay. from it. That's good. I'm glad to hear I do that. believe now it goes to the victims' families, actually. So, whatever. I'm sure this co-author or whatever is completely profiting. That's shady as hell to me, too. Yeah, because there's quite why a few you, people that why, have bought this. Why do you want to co-author... With a serious Yeah, color? I have... I'm judging that dude a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a little judgy myself. Like, um, no. <sighs> And, and unfortunately, the book, I mean, it does sound like many people have bought it. Uh, somebody actually commented on a review. They said, and this is a quote from an Amazon review. Sure. Um, it says, interesting and good. We actually had a work potluck to sample some of the food found in this book. It was very good and all enjoyed. Good read and good information. And this blew my mind because it's just like a basic book review that you would find. But it's about a freaking serial killer right. cooking. <laughs> She killed vulnerable populations for their social security money and pension money. And you want to eat her cupcakes? Mm -hmm. And apparently, so during this time, it sounds like, you know, he was meeting with Dorothea and there was never any admittance or confession to these murders. It was just strictly uh, cooking. Just some cooking business. Yep. Meeting with grandma. I want to know what what your bonets, 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 how do you say that? I don't know. I, I don't um, know. Pick something easier, Charnel. If you can't <laughs> say the name. So, What's your chicken stock like? Yeah, so it's just really bizarre that this came so out of... It's so bizarre that that's what she did with her prison time. Yeah. She did prison I, I mean, that answers the question about catering earlier. Mm-hmm. She was going to cater with she her had some very skills. first victim, right? Yep. Ruth? Yep. She was going to do a business, it sounded like. So she obviously had some some culinary skills. If she did, like, think of the life she could have chose. She could have kept Ruth alive. Yeah. And just made it big with her culinary. She could have wrote a cookbook then or made it big with her catering job and never have to murder anybody to steal their money. Isn't it sad how it turned out? My God, nature versus nurture. Perhaps mm-hmm. if she had had a better childhood, you never know. She may be, would have been the next Rachel Ray. Yeah. Well, the first, actually, because she was before yeah, Rachel she was Ray. Before. <laughs> <laughs> so my last tidbit of information about Dorothea is the famous boarding house that all of these horrific yes. things happened in. Um, it was actually purchased by a couple in 2010 that fixed it up and lived in it. And I believe still Yeesh. live in it. Okay. Um, and so the, the it's house... It's haunted as fog. Yeah. And okay. So they redid it. And the house was actually featured in a series called Murder House Flip. I found a... Oh, why is that a series? Right? Okay. Um, but I found a report on CBS Sacramento that reported... It says, Hollywood is ready to give the house a murder makeover. 
Oh, don't. Right? What? A murder makeover? Don't sign me up for that. So, and, and I did look it up. This It was a thing, and the episode aired on April 6th of 2020 about the house. I have mixed feelings about the publicity that this house and Dorothea yep. got from all yes. of this, because I almost feel like it was... I feel like society is completely writing these victims off, too, because they didn't have a family to fight for them, mm-hmm. and they were either transient or severely mentally disabled or whatever mm-hmm. i just ah. and so yeah it's it's i can see how people you know that would tr- attract people showing these houses but remembering that no but it's still too soon like when like the lizzie borden house that happened a long long ass time ago mm-hmm. so that's a little different i don't know it feels too soon to me yeah. this was only Decades ago, these victims' families are still alive. Yeah. Ah, it's insensitive to me. I also really hate giving a house a murder makeover. I know. that's I struggled with that piece, too. I don't love that and feel like it's really insensitive to what happened to all those people. And only the people that we know about. I mean, I think there's more. Yeah, because you hear about many houses where murders happen and they're condemned. Yeah. Or, you know, but this one was, like, redone and made public and so I'm just not sure how I feel about all that yeah, I um I think somebody's still living in it today and the, I mean I guess that's one thing too if it's just like somebody fixed it up they're living in it they're having a happy life okay fun to like like you said to publicize this and go on mm-hmm. you know HGTV or whatever and I know it's <laughs> well like, it's not HGTV but you know it's just that's what I think of when I think of like house flipping and stuff like that right it's, it's almost making it like a glamorous thing I just yeah I don't like it me. I don't like that Especially for the victims that there's not much information on because they just weren't... I know. You know, there's no stories. And that doesn't... It just bothers me. It's, it's like how you hear people refer to sex workers as being less dead mm-hmm. because they may not have family that it's connected to them anymore or whatever. It's like, no, these are still humans. Mm-hmm. They are humans. They are someone's daughter. They're someone's son somewhere in the world. And they're important. Absolutely. Ugh. Yeah, that was an unfortunate thing that I found. My last piece here is I want to note that a lot of the information on on Dorothea, like on her past, there's a lot of conflicting dates and times. It's said to be because she was such a compulsive liar. Um, Oh, sure. Yeah, some of the information on her history was from her. And so it's really hard to piece together a crystal clear timeline. Yeah, that's an interesting note. Yeah. Because she literally had a mental health diagnosis as a pathological Mm -hmm. liar. And she may not know herself because they believe their own lies. That was Interesting. a really insightful piece mm-hmm. because so many identities, so many personas, and all of the lies, We, I guess we'll never fully know the truth of this right. case. for sure. So that was the story. Nice of case. <laughs> that is Amber's first case that she's presented. Yes. I like it. Lots oh. of info. Making me slightly suspicious of grandmas, but... <laughs> I know. All right. Are you going to give me a brain bath now? Yes. Give me a brain bath. So now that we have the heaviness of Dorothea. Yes. Fuck off, Dorothea. Is she still alive? She did. You know what? I apologize. I forgot to tell you that she did pass away. Dorothea passed away on March 27th, 2011 at the age of 82. Mm, That's Um, too long of a life for her, but I'm not sad that she's gone. Yeah. She died of natural causes at the Central California Women's Facility. Mm. So she had a long life in prison. She really did. Mm -hmm. Making her cookbooks. Yeah. Making cookbooks, prison art. I hate that. So I know it, it really Ugh. gives you a sense that she probably didn't have it too bad there. No, and like the psychologist report said, she shows no remorse. Mm-hmm. She didn't care. Blah. 
All right, so here okay. we go. Brain do you bath. have a brain bath for me? I do, and I Give love me a brain this. Bath. It's so... It's, I've got it's my rubber ducky. So this article is brought to us from Patch.com. Okay. 2011 circa. Okay. This is titled, House Burglar Makes Pancakes, Washes Dishes, and Takes a Nap After Stealing Jewelry. <laughs> okay. Let's just take a minute. Yeah. Pancakes. There's a lot going on there. Yes. Pancakes, doing the dishes... Doing Stealing the, the jewelry. So take a bath. Was there a bath in there? There was no bath. Oh, was that's a nap. A nap. There was okay. a nap. Okay, okay. So I pulled a quote from the article, and it says Goldilocks may have been bold to break into the three bears' house, eat their porridge, and test out their beds, but twenty-nine-year-old William J. Townsend of Brooklyn went even further than that. <laughs> if you're gonna be charged with second-degree burglary. I say treat yourself. Yeah, um, I guess so. And and William did. (laughs) A young man, 29-year-old William, entered a home. Not sure how far ahead this was actually planned out. Like, if he was walking down the street and was like, I'll take that one. Right. I don't know how, you know, impulsive this was. But he he saw a home. He decided to break into it. There was was nobody there. So when he noticed nobody was there, he did take some jewelry. But then he was like, you know what? Why not a little R&R while I'm here? (laughs) So he did proceed to make some pancakes. Of Um, all the things in the cupboards, pancakes? (laughs) And cereal. He must have been hungry. Oh, he wanted breakfast. (laughs) Yes. He was hungry for some breakfast. So okay. he, yeah, he made some cereal, he made some pancakes, but he was also thoughtful. He put the dishes in the dishwasher when he was done, cleaned up. Oh, someone raising him mostly right. right. Okay. So he he made himself a snack. He's feeling probably a little sluggish, so he's like, yeah. you know what? I'm gonna take a nap. Pancakes fuck me up like that too. Okay. <laughs> so he proceeds to to find a recliner in the family room and he takes himself a This nap. one looks nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Around 12:40 p.m. Um, the homeowner got back and she smelled something burning when she entered. So she's like, what? <laughs> I don't remember leaving that burning. When right. I so she's, she's alarmed. And okay. then she, she walks in and she sees the dishwashers going and she finds William passed the out her recliner. Going. It's not all so bad. <laughs> the perpetrator's asleep, but he did the dishes. Yes. Too. I mean, Can, I don't it could be know worse. if I'd be mad. I know. I'd be like, you know like, what? Hey. Thank you. Now please leave. Take your right. pancakes. Like, right. Take the leftovers. Right. In the end, William was charged with second degree burglary. I hope that he went on to to do better things. But is there is there suggestions that he was under the influence of anything when he decided? Like maybe I mean I this to me says weed. I was high as fuck and hungry for some pancakes, so I needed to eat them. But at the same time, Mama didn't raise no asshole, so I'm gonna do these dishes. Right. So I you know I didn't find any information on that, but I was thinking substances too. That's why. I was like, how did this thought process work of, like, all right, I'm just going to pick this house. You know, there was burglary, so I'm assuming maybe he wanted to, he to probably, do that. Well, he had originally. the shiny baubles in his pocket. <laughs> right. You know. So, yeah, that's, that's wow. my brain bath thank today. you. It was a good chocolate. It had nothing to do with with murderous Grammys, so right. I appreciate A big thank you to William for the, the chuckle of the day. Yes, yeah, hopefully you're doing well and not breaking and entering to clean and make pancakes anymore yeah hopefully lesson learned all right well if you guys want to keep hearing more cases please remember to give us a nice review and a like uh anywhere that you listen to your podcasts please follow us on facebook crime curious podcast and on instagram crime.curious podcast and if you have some case suggestions or just want to hit us up 
for something nice. We have email crimecurious at yahoo.com. If you, as always, have something mean to say, just write it and then delete it. Because we probably won't respond to that shit. No, we will not. We will not. (laughs) However, constructive criticism, we absolutely will. But when you're just being a dick, nah, we don't have time for that. Nay, nay. Yeah. So until then, guys, keep it curious. Stay kind. And we'll... We'll see you later. Yeah. Till next time. Bye.